Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I am Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you today, sir? Outstanding. I'm outstanding, and I usually just say a positive word just for the heck of it, but you know why I'm outstanding today? You tell me. You won't believe what I got. You know, I'm a very nostalgic guy. I love thinking back on stuff from childhood and growing up, and I, I love that stuff. You know what I got in the mail today? What's up, Bob? An East Bay magazine. I got an East Bay today. Just randomly? Uh, no, I think I, I, that's what I thought at first, and then I realized a few months ago, I think I bought something online that I saw on East Bay because they're like their ads pop up once in a while. And I'm a sucker. So as a matter of fact, I bought a shirt today and a sweatshirt yesterday. That <laughs> was just a pop-up. <laughs> so well, a few weeks ago, yeah, or like a couple months ago, I bought some socks, I think. Some Jordan socks. Jordan socks, which, which we're going to get into later now. today on our Jordan Mount Rushmore. Yes, I, my very first gym bag I ever bought was a East Bay locker bag. It was a square gym bag and it had room for your shoes and it was like a locker, but it was a gym bag. I, I wish I knew where that was today. I have no idea where that's at because that was the best gym bag ever. I bet you can find one if you go on there and look hard enough. Oh man, dude. I was like, uh, that was 20 years ago. It, actually longer than that. It was over 20 years ago. Cause I was 20 years ago. I was 17 years old. That was like when I was in grade school that I got that. So that was probably 25 years ago. Oh my God, <laughs> brother, we are old. I know. I was speaking of that. My, uh, another, another reason I'm excited is because, uh, and if you're a person that doesn't believe in it or whatever, you can just, uh, close your ears or whatever for this part. But we found out today that in Ohio, where we live, we now know when we're going to be eligible for the vaccine, which is in, which is in like two weeks from now really yeah so but 40 and up is eligible like in one week and i just barely missed it and that was funny my sister sent it to me and said hey you guys are eligible sent to like my brother and i and said hey you guys are eligible in a couple weeks and i saw the little list and it said 40 is like next week i'm like man i i missed it by nine ten months or whatever it is (laughs) that's depressing it's not you know what with age uh comes wisdom well so you would think but yeah you would think but (laughs) so also with age today today's kind of an anniversary for the nosebleed sports podcast uh for those of you that have been listening for the last three years this is our favorite podcast of the year we go over the tournament we talk about our teams but this podcast started, it was invented for this tournament, probably what, seven years ago? Somewhere around there. Six, six to eight years ago, we did our very first quote unquote podcast where we had two uh, actual phones recording our voices and then uh, your brother put them together. That was the very first podcast we ever did, and it was 100% based on the NCAA tournament, which just so happens to be 
my favorite time of the entire year. The first weekend of the tournament, by far, there is nothing better to me than this. So I'm super excited. I'm super excited about this. So um, then when we came back and actually started to do the podcast every week, it was once again started with this tournament. So this tournament holds a special place in both of our hearts for the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. So uh, on that note, welcome to year four of the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. What, what, do you know what podcast number that our podcast says we're on? Uh, this is going to be 145, I think. 145. So you got to add about five to 10 because we didn't really have a name and we weren't dating them at that point. So we're somewhere around that 150 mark. Four years in or three full years in, let's get started with this year's deal. And to celebrate that, this year, in the description below this podcast will be a link. It will also be at the Nosebleed Sports Podcast Facebook page. It'll be on my Twitter, which is, what is my Twitter? Oh, sick with it, at sick with it, S-I-C-W-H-I-T-T-I-T. I'll send it out. Adam will obviously retweet it. There will be a link to join the Nosebleed Sports Podcast page. Uh, not page. What do you want to call it? Um, bracket game. Yep. Top five. We'll get a Nosebleed Sports Podcast t-shirt. Okay. Five's a lot. I mean, if you, in, if you come in fifth place, do you deserve a prize? Uh, well, when you have, you know, five to 10,000 people that are going to be in it, I feel like the top five is pretty good. Okay. And let's be clear. It's, it's free to join. So don't even hesitate about that. Uh, we'll like, like Chris said, we'll put it in the link. Uh, we'll put the link in the description on all the platforms. We'll put it on Facebook and Twitter and all that. And, and, uh, just join and we'll put the directions. If there's a, well, I'm sure we'll have to put a, uh, a password and all that, but we'll. No, not at all. No sent password. It out, sent out a test. Uh, I, I hit the invite button, sent it out to a couple of people. They said, boom, they clicked on it and they were right inside. Cool. So it's going to be real simple. Click on a link. You'll be inside the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. NCAA bracket page. It'll be on the March, through the March, or is it? Yeah. Through the CBS app. CBS Sports app. Okay. I believe. Let me double check. Yeah, through the CBS Sports app. That being said, let's get started. We're not going to go through every single game because it's just crazy. We might we might talk about, we might just say, okay, Gonzaga plays a playing team. It's obvious, right? Gonzaga's winning that game. So let's start in the West. And let's go to the first up for grabs game, which is Oklahoma versus Mizzou. Any, any, anything off the top of your head about the Oklahoma Mizzou game? First of all, I think every eight, nine game is a, is a toss up. I think you're not wrong to pick either one in any case. Um, the, the committee, I feel like always does a really good job of pairing these, these eight, nine games up. Um, people have problems with, with things they do every year, but mostly about the teams that get in, but these eight, nine games are always really good. Um, or usually they are. So I, this one, I pick Oklahoma. Um, 
I don't know. They they just they put so the the Big Twelve might be might have been the best league this year. Might have been the best conference this year. Between the Big Twelve and the Big Ten, and the Big Ten, right? I mean, right. Big Ten's got nine teams in. Big Twelve's got like seven teams in, or something like that. They're they're they were obviously you, you're talking about a year where Duke, Kentucky, and Louisville, none of them are in this tournament. Do you know the last time that all three of those teams were not in this tournament? You obviously yeah, don't, so I'll was tell you. 1961. The answer, the, no, the answer, Zero is, times. The answer is 1976. Oh. Do you know who won the NCAA tournament in 1976? Of course you do. I do. Indiana. Indiana. And they were? Undefeated. That year, undefeated. This year? The, the the one time since then we have an undefeated Gonzaga team who if they win this whole thing they will go 32 and 0 do you know what the record of that Indiana team was 31 and 0 32 and 0 32 if Gonzaga goes undefeated this year and wins this tournament they will be 32 and 0 just like the very last team to ever go 32 and 0 the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers very interesting in a in a year that so many games were canceled and postponed that they got all those games in and have a chance to match that number. Is that insane? I mean, there's way too many crazy things going on with that, and it gets me excited. I apologize if I'm talking softly today, but I'm in a hotel room, and if I feel like if I get too loud that everybody around is going to hear this. So I'm going to pull this a little closer and uh, talk, talk, talk a little normal. So with this Indiana-Mizzou game, uh, or Oklahoma-Mizzou game, I'm going Oklahoma too, only because even with Oklahoma being 9-8 and eight in, in conference, that was a tough conference, and I'm going to go Oklahoma in that game. Yep. So they, they beat Kansas, Texas, and West Virginia twice. Missouri has a couple beat, impressive wins, but to me that's – you beat, you beat West Virginia twice, this West Virginia team is good. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's move on to Creighton versus UCSB. And this game is getting a whole lot of 12-seed upset picks across the country. For many reasons, Creighton went through a little bit of a a tough road at the end of the year, lost a few games in a row. Uh, Their coach, Doug McDermott, uh, had himself some, some issues with talking about the plantation. So he is back with the team. The team has accepted him back from what I understand. Adam, what do you think about this 5-12 matchup? I started thinking about it, and, and I just didn't. I, I think this Creighton team is too good offensively. I, 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 know, I know UCSB – I had a really good year in their conference and everything, but Creighton and, and the big East was down a little bit this year, but um, uh, Creighton's just so impressive offensively. I don't think they're going to, they're going to lose this game. This was tough for me because I've seen Creighton play really, really good. And I've seen Creighton play really, really bad. But the fact that they've accepted their coach back after the remarks he made, I feel like this team is going to come together while they are secluded for the next four days. And I feel like this team can shoot. It's it's again, this is going to come quite a few times where you're going to be, you're going to have a good team playing a, a 
a good mid-major team playing a mediocre major conference team. And when that happens, it's easy to want to go with that mid-major because they've played so well, right? They're 22 and four, 15 and three in conference. But that matchup isn't the same. You might be a, a, a 6-2 shooting guard, you know, 6'2, 175 shooting guard, but the guy you're playing against is going to be 6'6, you know, 210, run faster, jump higher. It's just the way it works. And in these in this situation, this Creighton team can absolutely shoot the lights out of the ball. And I, I put them up there. I, I, I think Creighton wins this game. Yeah, something something that I'm I might end up repeating a million times during this thing is strength of schedule, which is like the biggest factor to me most of the time. And I know that there are upsets all the time with you know smaller conference teams like this, but I think it matters to me a lot. And um, UCSB didn't play any quad one games this year, not a um, single one. Right. So and they don't have any real bad losses necessarily. They don't have any quad three or four losses but they didn't play any quad one team. So um, that with Creighton's, you know, pretty, pretty tough schedule, even in a down big East, still pretty tough schedule. They got to play Villanova and Xavier was, UConn was really I'm good. sorry, but, um, no, they, but they even, were really good at the beginning of the year. And, and the same thing happened to them that happened to Louisville and happened to a lot of other teams where they hit a, a 10 game, you know, a, a 14, 22 day streak where they only played two games right. and throws you off. That's right. So let's move on to the defending champion of two years ago, Virginia versus Ohio. I'm going to let you go first because I got, I've got some things I want to talk about on this game. Okay. Uh, for me, you know, I'd love to pick a, a home state team. Um, and Ohio scores 81 points a game. That's hard to overlook. But Virginia controls the game so much with their style of play. And they're actually not quite as good defensively as they were last year or the last couple of years. I mean, they were they they gave up like 54, 55 points a game last year, and it's like 60 this year. Still one of the best in the country for sure. Um, and, and they're going to slow the pace way down. And it's going to be – they want to play a very low-scoring game, uh, and they do a really good job of that. Uh, so, uh, but so I mean, this is going to be one of those, you know, styles make fights thing. Uh, obviously, an up-tempo – must be an up-tempo team, uh, Ohio team, if they score that many points, and a, a slow-it-down team like Virginia, who's been really, really good at that for the last few years. I'm just taking Virginia here. This is, this is one of my upsets, one of my upset picks. I'm taking Ohio. I'm going to tell you right now, pay attention to this kid named Jason Preston. He will be a first-round pick for Ohio. He's point guard for Ohio. This kid is a walking triple-double when he wants to be. I think he's got three triple-doubles on the year. 16-7-7 seven, and seven is what he's averaging on the year. He is a stud. They only lost to Illinois by two early in the year. Illinois might be the first or second best team in this tournament. Maybe not the first, the second best team in this tournament. They only lost by two to that team. Pay attention to this Ohio team. They are good. I'm taking Ohio. All right. Interesting. 
Uh, next is USC and the winner of Wichita State and Drake. Yeah, this is easy for me. USC is the team they've got. They're the tallest team in the entire country. And, uh, you know, at some point in time, that length and athleticism is going to take care of it. And what's his name? Uh, Mobley. What's his first name? Evan Mobley. Mm. Uh, the kid looks like Chris Bosch when he shoots, when he goes up and down the court. Like he just looks like Chris Bosch. Um, I, 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 I think USC is just more athletic that Evan Mobley. Did you know that he was the freshman player of the year? He was the player of the year and the defensive player of the year in his league. I did, I did see that. That is unbelievable. Impressive. That kid right there is the reason why I pick him, why I pick them to go past the first, get past the first round. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, a sucker for I, I fall in love with teams with a lot of length that's why I, I get suckered into picking Florida State to go really far every year because they're always like that and uh they usually disappoint me but uh I, I'm gonna go for it anyway so USC it is Wichita State is is um a tempting pick because of their uh because of their success over the last handful of years Okay, but, well, they, uh, won their, they won the conference, I believe. They didn't win the tournament, whatever they did in, their, in that conference, in the American. That is a terrible American conference this year. It was terrible. Outside of Houston, horrible conference. So I don't think Wichita State is nearly as good of a team as, as they put on on the year. Yeah, I've got USC in that one. Uh, next one is Kansas and Eastern Washington. Any question here? Uh, not for me, Kansas is going to be missing three players due to COVID related issues. I, for some reason, uh, or I, I thought they weren't even, I thought they had to cancel this, but they just have three kids that did not make the trip. They do believe if they win the first round and the second round that they'll have them for the sweet 16, but they're going to have to get past, uh, USC in the second round, but I do take Kansas. Yeah. I, I was thinking they might even be back for this game, but I, I'm probably wrong about no, that because I think they did not make the trip. You get They're right; they didn't make them. the trip, but I thought they were coming after the team went. But um, I think Adam told us, Adam Baum told us a while ago, you were going to have to, you're going to have to pass like seven straight COVID tests or something like that to get in here. So Bill Self said his team is taking two COVID tests a day. Yeah, two COVID tests a day. Yep. If you can make that happen, why not? Just to be exactly. extra, extra safe. All right, Oregon VCU. These seven ten matchups are just like those eight nines, man. Um, Not in this case, though. This Oregon team yeah. is really good and beat Baylor and beat some really good teams. And that Big Twelve is so, or Pac twelve is is pretty good. And I think that this Oregon team is definitely better than what VCU puts out on the court at this moment in time. Yep, I agree with you. I've, I've got Oregon. Iowa and uh, the the guy who broke his leg jumping up, getting crazy for, uh, I don't even, what, what's what's the name of their team? GCU, Georgia. Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. Oh, it's Grand Canyon. Oh, it's not yeah. the same guy. All right, either way. Uh, we're both going Iowa, right? Yep. That's pretty simple. All right, so then let's move over to the east. Michigan. Michigan. Do we even have to talk about that game? 
Nope. All right, well, talk to me about LSU St. Bonaventure because that game interests me. It interests me too. Um, and I, I'm probably going to fall. LSU is another team that scores over 80 points a game. They're at, at about 82. Um, and those teams that put up big numbers usually are, you know, play fast and shoot a lot of threes because almost everybody does that now. Um, so it, it, when it, whenever I see an 80 or more on points per game for any team, it raises my eyebrows a little bit. Um, but that's what's so fun about this game because the Bonnies are in the top 20 in defense in the entire country. They're only giving up 60 a game. That's right. And I, I actually watched their uh, conference championship game. So I went ahead and took St. Bonaventure here. I did the same thing because only because of the fact that they are, they've got two big guys and I don't know either of their names, but they got two big guys that clean it up on the glass. They are one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country and put that with their defense and LSU. It just makes LSU is probably going to struggle in this game. Uh, being a high scoring offense against that good of a defense. I don't know. And I, that the SEC was not that good this year outside of Alabama. And I'm going with, I'm going with the Bonnies. And, and usually the bigger conference, the better conference is usually what pushes me over the edge in games like this. But in this case, and like you said, <clears throat> the rebounding and the defense, especially rebounding and free throws in the tournament are a huge deal, especially free throws when it comes down to the end of games. But exactly. rebounding is huge, and a, a a defensive team this good makes a big difference too. So, St. Bonaventure it is. Defense in the first couple rounds, once you get to that elite eight, you got to be able to make buckets when you when when it's crunch time because those are all going to be close games. So early on, defense can win you games. Mm-hmm. Later in the tournament is a different story. Colorado, Georgetown. Um, I feel like a lot of people are going to be uh, picking Georgetown in this game because they went on that run and, and won the Big East tournament, and everybody wants to feel bad for Patrick Ewing because somebody asked him for ID at the at the Garden, and he complained about that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm not falling for that. I'm taking Colorado in this game, man. Um uh just I, I a team that a team that only gives up 63 a game and georgetown's point differential is less than a point buddy i watched this georgetown team many times this is my conference right the big east yep. right now conference that i enjoy i love this is not the year for the big east i'm just going to tell you right now this year is not the year georgetown has been on a run they went on a run against some teams that struggled. They beat a Creighton team without Doug McDermott. Is it Doug? Am I even saying his name right? Or is that his or is that the, his son that played more? Doug is, yeah, Doug is the son that plays for the Pacers. Or, what's his name? Or plays for somebody else. Whoever. What's what's the coach's name? Uh Coach McDermott. Okay, Coach McDermott. Yeah, or they, you can go Mr. McDermott if you want and to. And they beat a Villanova team without uh Colin Gillespie. And who is who runs that team and and that we'll talk about Villanova in a little bit but that's you know you can you can say what you want uh, Patrick Ewing's got this team playing well um Colorado's got this McKinley Wright kid who is a stud 
And if Georgetown plays the way that they averaged the year this year, turning the ball over 23% of their possessions, they will lose this game. I'm taking Colorado. Colorado is also, we just talked about free throws, second in the nation in free throw percentage. Done. Done. That's easy for me. All right. Easy. Easy. All right. So Florida State, UNC Greensboro. I don't think we even need to talk about this, do we? Does anybody have that's Florida State once again? This is that whole that whole situation where a lot of times that 12 seed's fun to take. But in this case, athleticism, length, Florida State is is they're just too big. Uh, BYU versus uh, Michigan State or UCLA. So I filled out at least three, maybe four brackets so far. And in in all but one, I took the winner of Michigan State UCLA to beat BYU. So you filled out three or four brackets so far this year. We've had this conversation many times on this podcast. As I said earlier, this podcast was started on the NCAA tournament. And for years, I don't want to say I was made fun of, but I may or may not have been talked down to because I fill out 12 to 15 brackets and every one of them are different. And that's a little, uh, I don't know, can be looked down upon by many people. This year, I I do the same thing. This year, COVID, everything that's going on, I'm filling out one bracket and it's the nosebleed sports podcast bracket go down in the comments click on the link join us top five get a t-shirt one bracket this year that's all i'm doing i i'm not saying that you're lying all i'm saying is between now and then especially because you are in a hotel room tonight (laughs) after we're done here you've got all this energy we talked about that (laughs) you're going to be up all night and you're going to be looking for something to do and you're going to be listening to stuff all day tomorrow on the drive home and thinking about stuff and you're going to get on tomorrow because the tournament doesn't actually start even the play-in games don't even start until thursday this year instead of the tuesday so you're going to have more time and you're going to somebody's going to ask you to to join their bracket thing I'm sure that you got a bunch of people asking you about that. That's, if anybody wants to ask me to join, I'm just submitting this bracket. This is the only bracket I'm okay. doing. Okay. That's fair enough. I, I can see that. Okay. This is it. Okay. So uh, I'm sorry, you have BYU or Michigan State or UCLA? I'm taking Michigan State because UCLA is not going to win this game. It's going to be Michigan State. Michigan State in the last week has beat – Ohio State, or not in the last week, I guess it was two weeks ago, but in a week's time, beat Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois. Three, four, and five in the country. This Michigan State team is coming on like Tom Izzo always does, playing their best basketball in March. That's right. I'm taking Michigan. I think that I'm I'm actually going to go out and say that they beat UCLA by 15 or more. This wow. is going to be a blowout. UCLA got has to, nothing to do. There's nothing to do with the fact that I can't stand UCLA's coach. I know. Um, they got to like up to like fifth in the country not that long ago. And then I think they lost like their last four games or something like that. Um, and so. Uh, I, sounds like typical Mick Cronin. 
but but as bad as they were for the last couple of years, he got them to a very different position to the best the best place that they've been since he's been there. Um, so if they've been that good and they've got some good wins, um, I, I, I that makes me feel like they can beat really good teams. So and if they can beat Michigan State, they can beat BYU. Um, and then who knows? Maybe even the next, the winner of the next game, which obviously is Abilene Christian, right? No, Texas is winning that game. Do you, I, do we I need to talk about this? Okay, yeah. Texas it is. Talk to me about UConn, Maryland, because Maryland is a team, again, who has beat a lot of really good Big Ten schools. I, I'm torn. I'm very torn on this one. I can't, I honestly can't decide. Um, the bracket that I'm looking at and going by here, I picked Connecticut, but I think I've split pretty much down the middle with the other brackets that I've that I've picked. So, um, let, me you, let me tell you something. Maryland went nine and eleven in the Big Ten, or um, sorry, yeah, Big Ten. Big Ten, yeah. Nine and eleven. I totally believe that if you can't go five hundred in your conference, you should not be in this tournament. However, this year. With COVID, I'm going to be okay with the fact that they're in this tournament, but I do not have them winning a game in this tournament. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, UConn has this kid, Book Knight, who is an absolute stud. And once again, I feel like if you've got that that kid who's a first-round pick in the, NC, in, the, in, in the NBA, you've got a really good chance at winning the first game. And this kid is going to be a first-round pick. He is that good. And I know Maryland has a 9-11 record in their, in their conference. And, and that's another reason. I'm, I'm, they're, they're losing this first game. Yeah. Uh, I, I think – I mean, I don't know if COVID has anything to do with it, but I think – the Big Ten probably being I mentioned the Big Twelve, but it's one of the, it's Big Ten or Big Twelve had the best top to yeah. bottom conference, and so yeah. in this case, yeah, I think that's the reason that Maryland got in at nine and eleven in the conference and sixteen and thirteen overall. When you're that close to five hundred, I usually think no that, that they shouldn't be in, but that that was such a tough conference. Um, I'm okay with that, but I did pick Connecticut in this one. There you go. Uh, Bama, Iona, you think Iona's got a chance? I'm going to tell you right now, Rick Patino, uh, just the fact that he's done this. I mean, Iona's been in the tournament the last five years, so it's not all Rick Patino. Let's not get it, let's not get it twisted. But Alabama, Rick Patino's team can shoot the three, and Alabama is very good defensively against the three. Uh, and if you're an Ohio guy or a Cincinnati guy, there's one UC player. I've ever loved. And his name was Herb Jones and Alabama has a kid named Herb Jones. So I'm yeah. all in. Alabama. That's right. Um, yeah. I, I easy, easy Alabama for me. All right. That's uh, so let's go to the South. We need to start picking this up because we are moving way too slow. Uh, do you have Hartford? No, I don't. I have Baylor. Okay. Me too. Uh, UNC Wisconsin. 
UNC is another team who's got some COVID tracing. This isn't COVID involved in the school or on the team, I don't believe. I believe theirs is contact tracing. Either way, when that stuff happens, man, it's difficult. I've got Wisconsin winning. Once again, Big Ten, that good. UNC playing. They've played well. They Actually, you know what? I'm changing my pick. I'm changing my pick. I'm taking UNC because UNC has been – these are two teams that have been going in opposite directions. Wisconsin has, last, has lost, what is it, three or five of their last seven games, I believe, and UNC has won three of their last four. I'm going – I'm taking UNC, hotter team right now. That's what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. The team they lost to was Syracuse. And it was a really close game, and Syracuse is playing really well right now. Yeah, I, I took North Carolina here too. I'm really torn on this, though. I mean, North Carolina is not a great shooting team from the outside, and Wisconsin is a typical Wisconsin team. They're you know kind of similar to Virginia, just not quite as good at it. But they're going to try to slow the game way down, and they're going to try to defend you really hard and make it as few possessions as, as they can. And uh, but. Carolina recruits better players. They have better athletes, and uh, I'm just going. I'm going with that. And they, and they do have some. They struggled pretty badly at times this year, and then they looked really, really good at times this year. So, um, it's really whole, kind of that's how the whole ACC is looked. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's true. Um, what I think I saw some. The ACC has seven teams in the tournament. None of them are above a five seed. Yeah, that's really strange. Strange. There, I, you know, I almost every single year the best conference in the in the country, but not this year. Uh, but I am taking North Carolina in that game. So on to uh, uh, one of the most interesting games, I think probably to us is uh, Villanova Winthrop. Villanova, we've mentioned before, uh, lost Colin Gillespie. He's out for the year. However, Villanova just puts in a five star recruit. Every year at the point guard position, if you get hurt in that guard position, they're just going to put a five-star recruit in. And I don't know the kid's name, but they've got a five-star recruit they're going to put in in there. And he's going to have a couple weeks of time to get into the groove of playing more minutes. That being said, they are a slow-paced team. Winthrop is a up-tempo team. They've got a kid, Chandler Chandler Valdron, 12 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, 30% from three. They are really good. This Winthrop team has probably what is going to be the hottest coach in the country. And a guy we both know from our high school, Pat Kelsey. And I'm at 23 and one. 23 and one. This Winthrop team is so good and so hot. I'm taking Winthrop. Now, yeah, they're 23 and one, and they didn't, they're another team that didn't play a quad one game. But if you watch them play, and like you said, I don't care. Up, up tempo, and they have, especially if they win this game, he is going to be, Chandler Vaudrin is, is going to be one of the biggest names that gets a lot of attention almost like almost like Steph Curry did in his that first year that Davidson made that run yep. Yep. people really found out who he was 
six seven point guard who leads the country in triple doubles. I that that's makes me fall in love for sure. Um, and a coach like you said that we know very well. And by the way, by the way, this is Winthrop is not a very big team, but they're a great rebounding team, a, a hallmark of a Pat Kelsey team. No matter how big you are, it's he. You know he preaches heart and hustle and, and effort and all that kind of stuff, which is the biggest part of rebounding. They're a really good rebounding team. Pat Kelsey is a player that played at Xavier um, his junior and senior year, uh, as we know, won a state championship at Elder. This guy is by far has more um, heart. Do you want to call it heart or, or, or passion when, when he stepped onto a court, he was a captain at Xavier and played maybe seven, eight minutes a game. Like it wasn't a lot, but when he was on the court, he, he wasn't the fastest, but he was in the right place all the time. His, he was a animal. The dude was an animal. That's where I got my, when I used to bark at people on the basketball court, that was a Pat Kelsey thing, yelling, blah, 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 blah. As soon as they got the, as soon as my, def, my person, the, if I was playing defense, got an offense, kiss a ball, I'd jump in their face and yell, blah, 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 and just scream it and throw them off guard. And that's the kind of stuff. Pat Kelsey is so good. And yet he is coaching a team that is one of the highest tempo offenses in college basketball. I love it. I love this team. I love this team. And I'm really excited about what they can do. Problem is, is they're going to have to play Purdue because I got Purdue winning the next game. Okay. All right. Uh, sorry, I just. I assume you have Purdue beating North Texas. I do. Yes. Okay. Then Texas Tech, Utah State. Um, I was tempted to, to use this one as a uh, an upset game, but I'm not. I, I'm I'm going Texas Tech. The Big Twelve again was really good, and uh, Texas Tech was nine and eight in that conference. But uh, just playing in that conference, the wins that they did get are really good wins. So, um, I, I'm I just don't think Utah State's going to beat Texas Tech. That's all. Agreed. Arkansas, Colgate, I don't think this is even a, a talking point. Colgate nope. puts points up, um, but they put points up in a in a Patriot League that played each other three or four times. They played nobody, literally nobody. Arkansas wins this game. Yes. Um, Virginia Tech, Florida. Who do you got? This is probably the most difficult game in the entire first round to pick. This is as big of a toss-up game as you can get. Florida is as up and down of a team as you'll ever see. They have they beat Kentucky, they lost to Kentucky. Kentucky is not very good. They've they've won and lost to just about every single team in the SEC. They beat Alabama. I mean, they beat Alabama. That's impressive, right? They also got beat by like 20 the next time they played them or something. I don't know the exact numbers, so I can't don't, – don't, don't quote me on that. This game right here is the epitome of a toss-up game. That being said, flip the coin, came over Virginia Tech. I did the same exact thing. I'm looking at, looking at it right now, and I'm thinking, man, 
Virginia Tech's not a great free throw shooting team, and Florida's a very good free throw shooting team, but can't rest uh, solely on that. And I pretty much did the same thing. I, I picked Virginia Tech. Ohio State is going to be War Roberts. I don't think we have to talk about that. No, we don't. All right. That's the first round. Okay. I don't think we need to get too deep into the second round. Let's jump into our final four. Let's do it. Out of all that, we'll come back because next week we'll be able to talk about um, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, which we will break down every game again. However, right now, let's just go straight to the final four. You want, yeah, you want, so let's just, I'll just throw out, I'll throw out my final four, you throw out your final four, and then we'll say who wins. Got it. My final four, I've got Gonzaga, Michigan, Arkansas, and Illinois. All right. Well, good. This will be fun because uh, we have two of the four matching. So we're, I have pretty much taken three number one seeds and a number two seed because as, 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 Crazy as I think the beginning of this year is going to be, it's going to come there. There are just the, the cream of the crop is that much better than everybody else in this tournament. I've got Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, Illinois. So I, Michigan, I love it. But if that livers kid for, for Michigan is not going to be able to play. And that's what I'm counting on this, right? That's why I took Alabama because I don't, when you've got a foot injury, that scares me to death. Mm-hmm. That is so hard to come back and be able to play from. And it's not a stress fracture. It's a stress something that could lead to a stress fracture. So that makes me worried like no other. And that kid is by far, the, not by far, but he's their best player. So I'm going with Bama. Okay. All right. Uh, so then, that being uh, said, what do you got in the final game? I have Gonzaga and Illinois in that game. I feel like. 90% of the country agrees with you, and I will agree as well. Okay. So you have Illinois beating Baylor. I have Illinois beating Baylor, yes. I, I yes, feel like correct. more people will have Baylor winning that game. Really? I'm going to tell I you do. what, traveling around the last couple of days, Illinois is the hottest pick in the Midwest right now. Everyone loves this Illinois team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they looked really good in the conference tournament. Um, and, I mean, they've been good all year. But, uh, okay, so your champion is? Listen, in 1976, the Indiana Hoosiers went 32-0. and Duke, Kentucky, and Louisville were not in that tournament. Since then, that's only happened one other time, and that's this year. Duke, Kentucky, Louisville, not in this tournament. Undefeated Gonzaga, 32-0, wins this thing. You're going to hate it, but I got the same thing. That's okay, because I feel like throughout we're going to have enough. We're going to have enough different to to break us. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. I'm I'm hoping for it, man, because, you know, I'm not going to claim that I was a Gonzaga fan my whole life, but – when they got into the tournament, whatever, 90, whatever it was, and started winning some tournament games and making upsets, uh, I started loving that team. And I started following, and then I and then I realized that one of my favorite players ever, John Stockton, went there. And and then you start, you know, 
you fall in love with Adam Morrison and Blake Step and uh, Dan Dickow and all the all the greats that have played there. Um, and uh, they're just a really easy team to root for. Uh, a constant in Mark Few, who's as good as any coach in the in the nation, but kind of hides he, in that corner of the country, and you kind of forget the, about him sometimes. I think he has the current um, active winning he is the current active winning percentage leader of all coaches and that's for a guy who's been coaching the same team since the 90s that's a long time right I mean that's that's a hell of a winning percentage he's also been in a division or a conference that you know is is a little lower than what he is as uh competition wise but he has turned that into the duke of the west yeah. Gonzaga is the Duke of the West. Mark Few is the Coach K of the West. Since the Wooden Award has been narrowed down to 15 finalists, which was, I think, sometime in the 80s. I can't remember when they narrowed it down. No team has ever had three players in the top 15. Gonzaga this year has three players on Wooden Watch three of the top 15 players in the country. And if you watch them play, you know why they're so complete. They, they just, they don't have weaknesses. I don't think. And where, I just... where we are in the Midwest in the East Eastern time zone, Midwest would technically be where we're at. People just don't get to see them play because all their games are West coast games. They're starting at 10 o'clock at night and nobody gets to see these guys play. And I'm telling you right now, buddy, this is the most complete team by far in this league. I, I, since I have been watching college basketball, I can't think of another team I looked at and said they're by far better than every team in college basketball. And that's this team. I, I'd, I'd put my money against, I'd put my money on Gonzaga versus the field right now. The only thing I wish about Gonzaga, they play, and they have been for a while, play a really, really tough non-conference schedule, especially early in the season. They get in those tournaments, and they they schedule games against, you know, the Kansases and the Dukes and the – every. I mean, the Kentuckys, the, the best of the best. And they beat some really, really good teams early in the season, but I just wish those could have been played later in the season because games – wins and losses good wins and bad losses in november i don't think mean as much in march if you play if you could play that those some of those teams in january february it would mean a little bit more to me but seeing them seeing the way they played and knowing the way they rolled through that conference i mean no matter how good or bad that conference is they rolled through that thing Right, there's only two teams in that conference that ever give them a, that ever give them a game, and it's BYU and St. Mary's. I mean, there's really no other team in there. But besides that, you can say all you want about that, uh, but they're still playing what they can. They're doing everything they can. I hate when people get, I hate when teams get um, looked down on because of their conference when. When they get out of conference, all of their out of conference games, a team like Gonzaga should be playing out of conference games against San Diego State and, and, and I don't know, Rhode Island and, and 
Colgate, that's who their non-conference game should be against. But because they are who they are, they don't just play one of those kind of non-conference games a year like Michigan State does and Duke does and Kansas. And those guys play one game like that in the non-conference, maybe two. All of Gonzaga's non-conference games are like that. They are playing a tough schedule. So it is what it is, man. They still beat them. They still came out and did what they needed to do. They ran through their league. They're as athletic and as good as any team in this entire country. That's right. All right. We agree. Gonzaga is the national champion this year. They might as well not even play the tournament because we just crowned them. That's all that matters. Don't forget to jump on to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast bracket game on CBS. It's in the description below. It's on Facebook. It's on the Twitter. It's on all that stuff. And uh, see if you can beat me and Adam. See what you see what you got out there. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go into our Mount Rushmore for the week. One that uh, was, a, was a great idea by you. Uh, another great idea by you, and you're crushing me in these uh, Mount Rushmore ideas. But uh, it, they are, it's the Jordan, Air Jordan brand basketball shoes. The Mount Rushmore. Yeah, the Mount Rushmore of Jordan basketball shoes. So um, before we get into this, I would like to say, I feel like I, I feel like for spur of the moment, Mount Rushmore's that I usually do. I was pretty excited about this, mm-hmm. but this might've been the easiest one that I've done. It might've been the easiest. I, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I didn't get too deep into it, but this might be the easiest one that I've done. That being said, Adam, uh, I'll let you go ahead and start talking about it. I, first of all, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Cause it was, that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me too, was it was surprisingly easy for me as well. Um, my number one seed is the 11. I know, I know what you're, I was, I knew yours was going to be the 11. You had like four pairs of them. I remember you wore them for like eight straight years playing basketball with me. It yep. was all the same pair. I, yeah, and I only wore them for out for indoor basketball games, and I had them for a long time. I wore those things. The soles were uh, had holes in them. Um, I wore those things so long, and uh, so th- that was easy for me. The patent leather around the bottom. Uh, I also have the ones. The ones are in my top top four. Um, I just look back at those, and I'm, I'm if they didn't if the way they made shoes back then didn't suck um, compared to how they do now, <laughs> if the just comfort from those, the- just from those to the twos, mm-hmm. there's such a difference. The twos are like a regular basketball shoe that we know of now. The ones are not, they're not, but they, I, I like them so much that I wish I could buy a pair and wear them to play basketball in, but they just weren't basketball shoes weren't made for comfort back then and, and stability and all that kind of stuff. Um, but maybe I should get a pair just to, for my dress shoes. Maybe that's, maybe I should get a pair for dress shoes. I, I feel like your 11s are closer to dress shoes than the ones are though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I should get a pair of both for, and, and use them both as dress shoes. 
Um, and then my kicking around shoes, I'd probably use the threes. That's my, that's my next one. I like the threes. Um, they're kind of simpler. I, I feel like they're one of the more simple plain and, and I like that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I like, I like mm-hmm. all my clothes like that. Um, and then my last one is the twelves. Whoa. Okay. The twelves. Uh, let me bring them up here. Now. I yes. don't think I always loved the twelves. No. I think when they first you came out, can't go. You can't go the white and black. I don't like the white and black. No, the black and red, the black yeah. top and the red bottom. Yeah. The red bottom, because most people see these as the white top and the black bottom, because that's the way Jordan wore most of the time. But if you get the black top, which is the bulk of the shoe, and the red bottom, which is from the inside of the heel through the toe. Those were slick. And I that's the pair of Jordans that I have right now. Um, oh, is that, it? That are my dress shoes that I wore to the... Uh, yeah, that I wore. Are you going to be wearing them to your cousin's uh, wedding coming up? Maybe. Are you going to your cousin's wedding? I, uh, I, I declined at first, and then yeah. I went back and said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Good for you. Good for you. Do it. I will, uh, when I come to see you, I'll put a second mask on and we can do our handshake that we haven't done for a year. Third. Three masks. Yeah. Yeah. I need three masks. I need to watch you sanitize before we do the handshake. Will you Um, do the handshake with me? If I see you at the wedding, we haven't done our secret handshake that we've had for, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years. We haven't done it in a year and a half. Will you, if I walk up to you at the wedding, right will you hook me up with a little pop, pop, clinch, snap? Yeah. I'll bring hand sanitizer beforehand. <laughs> I'll scrub down. We can both scrub down beforehand. No, I, I will. And uh, like, like we talked about at the very beginning of this thing, finding out today that uh, we're going to have a chance to get the vaccine sooner than we anticipated, I think. Um, it won't be before the wedding, though. No, it won't be before the wedding. But we were talking a few weeks ago, like, hey, we might get to do a podcast in person together before the end of the year. Now we're talking this summer. We're doing podcasts together, brother. I mean, I in a couple of months in a couple of months, probably. I can't tell you how excited I am about that. Me too. Me I, too. I can't wait computer. to see the, the, the remodeled studio and everything. Uh, it's that just tells me that I got to start hanging shit right now stuff i gotta start hanging stuff right now you can hang anything you want uh, i know but i don't have anything hung up and we I, we've got to figure out where we're gonna put the camera we got to get back into this this is a whole ordeal yeah we'll, we'll plan it okay so i got the 11s ones threes and 12s chris what is your mount rushmore of jordans all right so <clears throat> my mount rushmore of jordans are the ones number one, because you can't have Jordans without the ones. And they are the most original shoe of all of the shoes that he's made, right? Like all of the Jordans start looking alike from two to, you know, come down to, to seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, I mean, they, they were the basketball shoes that we know of today. The ones were not. The basketball, the ones were the basketball shoes of yesteryear. The 
the the Chuck Taylors, the the culmination of of what came from Chuck Taylors, the high top, the ones have to be in. And then I had the 11s. And then I had the threes. So we were exactly the same. Now, here's where we differed. Because I really like the eights that were the Olympic eights, where they had the red, white, and blue. It was the seven or the eights. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but it was in that 92. Sevens. It was a seven. That that sevens with the with the red, white, and blue, I loved those. But he only wore them in the Olympics, right? And and they were hard to find, so I didn't choose those. I went with the four. I went one one eleven three and four. I I don't know what it is about the fours. There was a lot going on on them, but. The early Jordans were all the best, and it was hard because I loved the nines too. The nines with that with that X lace that it had in it. Uh, the side view from those was were, were nice. So I had the nines on my list. I had the fourteens on my list, um, and the fives. Okay. All right. I see. I added the. The um, Air Jordan 2011. That year, it they just it wasn't the, it wasn't like the next number. It was they just called it the 2011. Yeah, with the the that that raised uh, thing that came up your heel and or up your arch and back down your heel. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't even remember those very well. I didn't remember seeing a lot of those, but looking at the pictures now. Um, I kind of like those. And then the 31s, I think, were the, the next ones that I thought were kind of neat, too. Um, that's a different that's, – that's a little bit different look, too. I, they almost don't even look like good basketball shoes. But um, <laughs> anyway, the 31s were, were just a little bit different. Uh, but another, this, one, another one that was big was the 9s. Like, if you remember the 9s, they had the – the, the, the solid along the bottom with the jump man in the bottom corner. Those were big. The, a lot of the, like, like when he played the one through like the, the 14 or 15, mm-hmm. those were all fire. Those were all hot. After he left, I don't know, man. They're just, they just shoes. Like the 16, might be the ugliest one of all. Can I say that? I was just going to say I had a pair of the 16s. And the the picture that I'm looking at, they're atrocious. I had the – and we talked about this beforehand, and you mentioned it. Color is, is a big deal in these things because some mm-hmm. of these look terrible in one color and look much better in another color, the same shoe. Um, so I, I, I felt like – it was a weird, it had this weird, like big thing that you strapped onto it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like a, like a cover a over the top, top over of the, the shoe. Top over the laces. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you could take it off easy enough um, and it looked okay without it. And it looked kind of weird with it. Um, but it did like hold the laces in place so that they wouldn't come off or whatever. But it was also on there by a, by a magnet. <laughs> it like kind of went over it and then like was on there with a magnet and um, 
it usually didn't, but it could come off during the game. So anyway, when did you get your first pair of Jordans? Ooh, um, I would say 93 ish because I think that's what I was thinking of is I remember having, and and that's, I'm, I'm having trouble finding these. Um, I had a pair, I think that came out in 93, I want to say, but I, I don't really see, I think they might've been, I guess they might've been the ones that you liked with the Olympic, the, the sevens, maybe. No, that was because that came out in 92. The ones that came out in 93 that I see in this picture are not the ones that I had, but I had, I had a pair in that time. And I don't know, for some reason, I, I'm having a hard time. Remember, maybe I just don't remember what they look like very well, but there was those. And then I'm trying to think, was it the next year? You remember the one that had like the carpet on the tongue? It had like three. Oh my God. Yes. There's those are hideous. So there was, so that those, I, th- I thought those were like around 92. Maybe I had the ones that came out in 91, but anyway, uh, a, a friend of mine and I had, yeah, you know what? I think it might've been the 91. So maybe 91 yeah. was probably the first time I, so I had a pair of those and my friend had a pair that came out in 92. Those ones that had the carpeted tongue or whatever. And, and, and we were like best friends in school and we shared a love of, we both, we had, we, we spent the night at each other's houses all the time. We both had the same Michael Jordan sleeping bag. And I mean, Matt Dale was probably the coolest dude outside (laughs) of my family that I knew only because he was your friend. Yeah. And so one day in third grade, we each had those shoes and they were like so important to us. And on on an out of uniform day, because you couldn't normally wear those on a regular school day. But on an out-of-uniform day, we each had our Jordans on, looking real fly in the third grade, and we decided at some point during the day we were going to trade shoes but trade one shoe. So we, like, traded left shoes, and I wore, like, the left, the left, uh, I don't know, the left sevens and the the right sixes, and he wore <laughs> the, the opposite. And – we had a nun, an old little tiny old nun in third grade. It was one of my teachers. And she, at some point while she was in the middle of teaching, happened to notice that we had, we switched shoes like that. And she called us out for it. She's like, what are you guys doing? Or something like that. I forget what it was. I don't know. We might've gotten in trouble or something. I don't know. You got um, in trouble for wearing each other's shoes. I think maybe. So Catholic school. So Catholic <laughs> yeah. school is not even funny. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I just remember that that was a memory about Jordan's, a Jordan's story that I had. Uh, how old were you when you had your first pair? Uh, 24. Wow. 24. Yeah, I was, uh, I, we always went to shoe carnival and got whatever you could get for buy one, get one half off. I got the cheapest shoes you could possibly get forever growing up. And the only pair of Jordan, the first pair of Jordans I ever got were not only was it in 2004 or five, but they were two year old Carmelo's that I got at the Nike outlet. <laughs> that's what, that's what we did. That was kind of and our I big. Still, and I still have them 
and I still wear them. I wore those for like seven or eight years in our basketball games. I wore those. They only touched the hardwood. That was it. You I have put to them have out there and I took them off when the game was over. You have to have indoor only basketball shoes and you, you're right. You do not wear them. You don't put them on before you leave the house. You put nope. them on. You don't put them on in the car before you walk to the gym. Nope. You put them on once you're inside the gym, and then you take them back off before you go back out into the parking lot. I'm having trouble with the boy understanding that. This is his first year of basketball. We're having fun. He's dropped 10 points, two straight games. Hey! 10 points, two straight games. But uh, he doesn't want to wear sandals. He won't wear sandals. He hates putting on his he's got a pair of nike slides he will not wear the slides he hates them so he wears his shoes and i told him this only go until you're in third or fourth grade after that those shoes don't come out they don't they don't get they don't touch anything but the hardwood you don't have to wear the slides wear any other shoe into the gym it don't matter nope he just wants to put a shoe on walk inside gotcha i gotcha he'll have a he'll he'll develop a, a respect and a reverence for the best, for the indoor only basketball shoe at some point. He, he will. He's your son. You, he will appreciate it. Well, I got to tell you, being my son, he uh, is as much as he loves playing baseball and he's pretty good. He's decent. My man is in love with basketball. My guy. Love and it. he's a head taller than everybody. And I keep trying to let him know you still got to learn how to dribble. Because daddy was a head taller than everybody, too, until sixth grade, seventh grade. <laughs> I've been this tall since seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, my brother, you might remember this, when he was in grade school, we would, so that was our big thing is, is every couple of years we would go to the Nike outlet store and pick our basketball shoes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and my brother would carry all season long, bring his shoes in the shoebox that we bought them in. And carry his shoes in the shoebox into the gym, change them, put them back in the shoebox before he left, and just carried a shoebox with him all year long. But, but look, tell me this: if you're playing against a kid who's putting shoes on coming out of the shoebox on the court, you're looking at that dude and going, "Stud, that dude's a stud." I'm like, "This kid have a deal already? He's in fourth grade. He's That's got right, a deal already." Yep. Well, your brother, you may not, you may or may not know this, but elder basketball camp, I'm pretty sure your brother still holds the record for most consecutive free throws made. Is that right? I thought you were going to say turnovers, but that was me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I didn't try out. Um, but that's funny. I did not know that. I, I never knew that he made that many free throws. I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. He can shoot the ball, but um, yep. And that's why. That's why, because he carried his basketball shoes with him in his shoebox into the gym, I'm sure, probably as a freshman. All you young fellows out there listening, that's what you got to do. <laughs> All right. right. Now on to what has become my favorite and least favorite segment of the podcast, all in the same. Every week, I go back and forth on this segment. Adam, I'm going to start. Bill Hicks, relentless. We chose another dead guy. I don't know why. <laughs> another dead guy? Who's the, who did we do last that was deceased? 
It was the it was the guy who just died because he walked out in traffic and got oh, hit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Myers, right. Which makes me feel bad for telling people to go walk out in traffic sometimes. Like, I go play in traffic. I <laughs> I tell people that all the time. You know what? Go play in traffic. <laughs> As a joke, though. Well, of course. Um Eric Myers would appreciate that as a true comedian. He would, as a true comedian, he would appreciate it, especially because he was hilarious. He mm-hmm. cracked me up. That special, at least, was hilarious. I watched this Bill Hicks special twice. I watched a documentary on him, which his brother did. It was basically his brother talking about him. Phil Hicks? I watched him. Huh? Is it Phil Hicks? Uh, I don't even remember the guy's name, to be honest with you. Um, I watched him on Letterman. I watched two other specials because I wanted to get something out of this guy because he's regarded as one of the top 15 comics of all time. This ain't my guy. He's just not for me. They talk about what I wrote down. I only wrote down one thing and two, the two, two things I wrote. Two things that I, two times I watched it. Uh, comedic timing. We talk about it all the time. He wants the comedic timing so bad, but he holds it for painstakingly too long sometimes. Mm. Painstakingly too long. This guy is a, some people will like him because he's a talk to your audience kind of a comedian, right? He's a, it's just the conversation. He's just having a conversation. There's, this is not necessarily joke after joke after joke. You got to think with old boy, old boy, make you think on a lot of them, which partially I do kind of like. Um, it just wasn't, he's just not the kind of comedian that, I, I would love to go. I'm like, I'm, if he's coming to town, I'm, I'm not dying to go see him. He wasn't bad when you, like, it was slow in the beginning, picked up in the middle, and it really did well through the end. I mean, it was better through the end, but in the beginning, I'm like, oh, my God, come on. I'm about to fall asleep. I'm going to go ahead and get, I'm going to give it a 2.6, 2. 2.5, 2. 2.6. We'll go 2.6. Okay. It, 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 that's, it, it wasn't for me. Wasn't for me. Yeah, that's okay. Wait a minute. What, what did I say the middle was 2.5? If middle is 2.5 for me. Your middle is three. Okay. Then 2.6 is good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's below average for me. And I tried, man. He's dead. I didn't want to talk bad about a dead person. I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that. I don't want to do it. So I watched multiple things on and they're all the same. You're not saying he sucks as a person and I'm glad he's dead. You're not saying it doesn't matter. You can say you like him as a comedian. Um, okay. I, look, I'm proud of you for, for, watching all those and i have them on my list to watch i'm gonna watch all of them um because i've i've been wanting to i said this last week i've been wanting to watch his specials for a long time because i keep hearing about him i keep hearing comedians talk about him joe rogan talks about him all the time on his podcast loves the guy 
um, and, and really all I've heard, all, all I've, I guess the biggest theme that I've heard is that he is kind of that, he kind of has that, um, he's kind of a dark, he's kind of a dark guy a little bit. And he's, he's, you know, he's got that anger and that cynicism that some of the, some of the best, honestly, comedians have. Um, he's a pessimist. He's a pessimist. For sure. Yeah. Um, and, and he, so, and, and that's not all that endearing. I mean, that's not something I look for. That's not something I necessarily want in a comedian. Um, but some of the best ones are George Carlin. Um, oh my God. He reminds me so much of George Carlin. It's not funny. Yeah. And, and, and he all, he reminds me of him because Bill Hicks is a great performer. He's, he's a very good, his, he, he'll give Michael Winslow a run for his money on sound effects. I mean, that guy made some really impressive sounds with the microphone and with his mouth. Well, hold on. I thought they were really fantastic. I mean, all he did was scream into a Not that. Not that. He did some other, he did some other sound effects that I was that I was really impressed by. And he he's just he's very good with words. I felt like he was really fluid and and just like you said, it seemed like he was so relaxed and just so comfortable up there. The way he, the way he spoke and the way he delivered everything, it was just, he just seemed in his element. That was what he did. He had that, he had those moments that we've seen before in some of the comedians that we've watched. Um, and, and the reason that I've never been able to get into Sam Kinison, kind of the same. I, I feel like the same thing. Like Kinison's like regarded it so highly uh, among comedians. I just can't do it because the screaming is not funny to me. It's just not. I, I I've seen a couple of things, a couple of times that he's done jokes where he's done the scream and it's worked and it's made me laugh a little bit because of what he's saying with it, but too much. It's, it's too much. And he did, especially the more into the, the further into the podcast or into the podcast, into the special he got, um, it was, he did more screaming and whatever that thing, that noise he was doing where he's putting the microphone inside his mouth. That was hard to, that was hard to stick with. <laughs> I was like, okay, if he just like does this constantly, I'm going to turn it off. But real quick, real quick on the Sam Kinison thing. Mm -hmm. You've got to watch the documentary thing that his brother does. Sam Kinison is the one who brought him to what was it, LA or New York or wherever they went. Sam Kinison was the was from the same area as him in this little podunk town and brought him out of there. Sam Kinison was like eight years older than him. He was like 19, 20 years old and went to his went to Bill Hicks's house and talk to his parents and had his parents trust him in taking him out and taking him into these, this big city and, and becoming a comedian. That's, that is no joke that happened. And Sam can, and he got a, uh, Bill Hicks got uh, landed in a, um, in a, in a, in a sitcom as, as, as something. It was only like two, two episodes, a couple episodes, but he made some money. And Sam Kinison then demanded some money back from him for bringing him there and help finding him. And from then on, Bill Hicks, early in Bill Hicks' career, they separated. Mm. And 
that was the end of it. But Sam is so funny you say that because Sam Kinison is the guy who brought him out to do comedy. It's not like he's the same comic, but you can definitely see a Sam Kennison influence in Bill. Hicks absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, so I'm not surprised That's to so hear crazy. that. I'm going to watch said that. You never heard that. You said you never heard that. And yet you went straight to Sam Kennison. So that just shows you where, where his, his where, where, where Bill Hicks's comedic start came from. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you said he got he he landed a role in some sitcom or whatever because I wrote down good actor. I feel like I feel like when I was watching him, I was like, I feel like he would be a really good actor. It just the the way that he I don't know. I I just felt like he was acting the whole time. His um, brother in the special in the in the the documentary thing that they did on him, his brother said it's a good thing that happened early in his career because the way this guy lived his life later in his life hated would never even think about doing any kind of sitcom. Yeah. And you can tell uh, this was one of his last ones. I think this was from 92 mm-hmm. and you can tell he hates Hollywood. He hates the whole thing. And it, it you can just tell by the way, <laughs> by the way he carries himself and the way he talks about it. Um, it I felt like he also, the, the one other thing, um, I did write the, um, I, no, I didn't, I, I didn't laugh a lot. Like I wasn't laughing out loud a lot at this, but I was kind of appreciating some of the things that we've already talked about. And I, I felt like kind of going along with how comfortable he was, he seemed to be and how smooth he was just talking. I felt like it, it almost seemed like he was writing on stage and comedians talk about that all the time a lot of people do a lot of their writing on stage. They just come up with ideas off the top of their head while they're on stage, or they just kind of have a general idea in their head and they just do something about it on stage. They don't actually have anything written, but they, they, whatever comes to them during during the, you just turned into a door. Oh, there you are. (laughs) I'm going to go to the bathroom while you're talking. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So anyway, um, I, it did, it felt like he was writing on stage. Now I'm, I'm thinking he probably didn't, if he knew he was shooting a special here, this is probably what most comedians do, or probably all comedians do. When you know, you're going to shoot a special, you're working for a year on the road in clubs, almost every single night or just about every single night and working on and, and just manipulating and, you know, making minor adjustments almost every single night to all the jokes you have until you know, okay, this is as good as I can get it. This is the the straightest line to where I want to go with this thing. It, it's got the, you know, and then add whatever tags or whatever. It's got the tags I want to add. It's got all the, you know, all the references I want to make. And it's got the, uh, it's got the, the setup and the punchline and whatever else I need to, to add in between. And you get to that place. So in the special I don't know how much he's doing off the top of his head, but he was so smooth with it. It seemed like he could have been, he may have been. So well, anyway, when he dropped his, when he dropped his cigarette and caught it, that was definitely, that was all, that was not staged. That was, <laughs> that was totally by accident. <laughs> and, and speaking of that, uh, really the only joke I wrote down was he was talking about smoking. He's a big smoker. And, um, you know, talking about people, 
you know, telling him not to smoke and all that kind of stuff. And he said, he said, the thing about this, the cigarettes, how you, how you want to try to find them is the warning on the pack or whatever it is. And he takes out the cigarettes he has in his pocket. And it was the one about the fetal, uh, something about, you know, fetal injury or something like that. And he's like, Oh, see, doesn't pertain to me. So this is, this must be my brand. <laughs> I think I found my brand or something like that. He said, so just, just ask for the, just go to the store and ask for the, give me the, you know, fetal death ones or something, or something like that. <laughs> and, um, and if you watch this stuff, even on Letterman, like it is like, I was watching one of his Letterman specials and I was like, Whoa, that seems like he was crossing the line on you know network, network tv yeah. and he did that a lot for back then you know you're talking in, in the mid 90s early mid 90s so there was a lot of crossing the line there's a lot of um uh, the 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 jokes about the uh about the uh daddy's new roommate <laughs> joke and stuff like that you know there's there's some crossing the line jokes yeah Okay. Um, you gave him a 2.6. I had a 3.1 written down. So really not that far off. We're, we're a half a point off. Um, he yeah. was about, this was a, this special at least was about 3.1. I do want to go back. I am going to go back and watch his other specials, watch that documentary. I want to know more about Bill Hicks cause I'm intrigued. He didn't wow me or blow me away. I don't, I don't, I'm going to tell you that more or anything. I like Bill Hicks going, watching all that stuff. I really like Bill Hicks as a person and he intrigues me as a person, as a comic. I mean, he wasn't bad, right? He was good. Like his stage presence was phenomenal. His, he was under control the whole time. He never sped himself up, which we talked about uh, the basketball player, the guy who was a basketball player that you really liked from New York. Um, what was his name? Oh, Chris Stefano. Yeah, the Stefano. Yeah. I felt like he he got ahead of himself too much, right? Like he was he was I don't want to say ner- nervous, but he was pushing too fast. He gets bursts of energy and like goes yeah. fast. Yeah, he does. Whereas Bill Hicks is as calm, cool, and collected as you'll ever see on stage. And I was watching stuff from him when he was young, like 20 22 23 years old same exact person it's really cool to watch he has been the same comedian and 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 good i don't want to say that when i say 2.6 i'm not saying that this dude sucked as a comedian i'm just saying it's not for me right like it's not the comedy i would go for but his stage presence is phenomenal like he there's that nothing would I see this guy as if there were people in the crowd, like getting on him, like nothing would affect this guy. There's zero that would affect him. And he would have something to say to you and he would say it and it'd be over. And he'd be right back to his, right back to his joke. Like, he's not going to just, if you were heckling him, he's not going to just focus 15 minutes on you. It's not going to happen. It's going to be real quick and he's going to be right back and you're going to shut up because he's going to knock you down quick. He's that smart. He was smart. He's a smart guy. Guy is so intelligent, but it's just not for me. 
I feel you. I, I think we're pretty much on the same page here. Um, so anyway, we'll, uh, we'll move on then. And, uh, I know we're both really excited. We've been talking about this for like three weeks now, the comedy special for next week, which is all you brother. It's, it's my turn. <clears throat> and, uh, I've been talking about this for a while. And now that I said it, of course, I can't think of uh, old boy's name. Nate. Help me out Bergetzi. here. Nate Bergetzi. Uh, Nate Bergetzi. So Nate Bergetzi, who I'm going to tell you guys right now, some of my favorite comedians out there are the dirtiest talking, the nastiest people you'll ever hear. Right. I love that guy. What was his name? Myers. Uh, Eric Myers. Eric Myers. That dude was as dirty a son of a gun and used as many curse words as you could possibly put into a special. Nate Bergazzi is not going to be that. He is a pretty clean guy, but he is just as funny. This guy might have the best comedic timing of uh, Sam Morell. I put him there with Sam Morell. Sam Morell and his pauses are Right now, with comedians that are doing it right now, I put Sam Morell and Nate Bergazzi in, in, in the top. I love those two. But this Nate Bergazzi, I'm so excited to watch this. And I think it comes out, is it, is it tomorrow or Thursday? It's either Wednesday or Thursday. The, I'm pretty sure it's the 18th, so I think it's Thursday. Thursday. I think it's the, uh, yeah, the 18th, I'm pretty sure. I guess I could probably look it up and just type his name in and tell you. But, I was trying to think uh, of this, the name of the special because I already forgot it. And I, I just listened to him on, uh, the, on the Sklar Brothers podcast um, this afternoon. I did, he, they just had him on and they talked about it then too. And I already can't. Here it is. It's you. The Greatest Average American. Yes, that's it. The Greatest Average American. And uh, if you watch, if you watch the, um, what do you call them? The promos for this or, or, or the trailers is pretty funny. He's sitting next to his daughter who's got headphones on and she's doing her, doing her computer zoom classes and telling her dad to be quiet and stuff like that. It's pretty funny. Anybody that's a dad right now during the zoom era of, of schooling is kind of funny, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is. It's coming Thursday, without a doubt. It'll be here Thursday. Watch it. We're going to watch it, and we will talk about it next week, which will be on Tuesday next week. Correct? That's correct. And we are going to have special guest Bobby Nightingale Jr. from Cincinnati.com, Enquirer, uh, Reds beat writer. He will be on to discuss uh, spring training, especially the biggest, the new – First of all, all the injuries since they're missing like eight guys now and uh, the big development in the last day or two here um, that that may shore up or may be some sort of a conclusion or uh, an answer or whatever you want to call it to the shortstop issue. Uh, but in I'm going to talk. No, we're going right. to talk. No, 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 no. Opposite of what I was just doing. Okay. Because Eugenio Suarez said in the beginning of spring training before spring training came that he wanted a shot at shortstop. And when I first heard that, I thought, you know what, that's how this dude came up. 
if he's, he put on a lot of weight strength Mm -hmm. since he's come up with the Reds. And if he can still move laterally for a shortstop and be able to put up 30 to 50 home runs like he did a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, let's move Moustakis to third. Everybody's making this out to be a terrible thing. I would rather see Eugenio Suarez as our shortstop and Moustakis as our third baseman and Vado, a healthy Joey Vado at first base. And 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 let's go, right? People say we need you need your you need your corners to be your power. Well, how about we just make the left side of the infield power? What does it matter as long as we got two infielders that are our hot spots? You got Moose and Auenio Suarez. As long as Suarez offense doesn't get taken away, then let's go with that and take Joey Votto and make him the offensive player of a shortstop when your shortstop has the offensive player of a corner infield. Why is that such a big deal? I don't understand it. I don't understand why everybody is so upset about it. If it works, let's do it. You're a fan of the Reds, okay? Get used to having to develop and move people around because we ain't got the money. We don't have it. We'll, we'll dish out a good amount of money, but it's not enough money to be the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox or people like that. So get it out of your head. If it means moving Suarez to short, keeping Vado at first and letting him hit like a shortstop and having Suarez hit like a corner infielder, then it is what it is, brother. Just take it. Hey, Joe, Joe, <laughs> this is me explaining to you how I feel. Okay. So if you hung on for an hour and 19 minutes or however long we've been doing this, this, this is me and you talking right now. And much more on that next week when we have Bobby Nightingale on. And since we have recently been having our guests participate in our Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go with your suggestion for next week in case Bobby wants to do it with us. We are going to do, and and this might turn out to be another Sacramento Kings thing, but (laughs) we are going to do all-time Texas Rangers. From talking to Bobby this in the thing, past, this he was is he exactly had a the same thing. If he had a favorite, if he had a favorite team, I'm pretty sure he said it was the Texas Rangers growing up, just because of the how how good they were when he was, you know, the Michael Young era. I would call it um, Adrian Beltre. Yes. The the uh, the um, oh my God, what was the the druggie that played for the Reds? Josh uh, Hamilton. That's, Josh very, Hamilton. that's Those a very nice way to. Yeah, Josh Hamilton, the natural. Um, Did I yeah. say it wrong? Did he was he not a drug? <laughs> and then relapsed. Did I miss that? Was I wrong about that? <laughs> no, he did. Just an interesting. Okay. All right, I just making sure. <laughs> interesting choice to uh, <laughs> to explain Josh Hamilton. <laughs> I I'll tell you. I figured it out. The... Right. Yeah, you knew exactly who I was talking about. <laughs> Um, when you said, when you said that played for the Reds, that triggered me for sure. Um, you're right. Cause I it, what you're been, talking about. It, it could have been Ron Washington, who was the coach of that team, who was probably the worst coach to have with Josh Hamilton at the time. Cause then Ron Washington literally a year later got suspended for cocaine use. So <laughs> yeah. Love wash though. Oh my God. I love wash. And I tell you, you can watch Ron Washington doing infield drills with individual individual 
short hop drills with an infielder. <laughs> that I'm telling you, right? <laughs> I just I'm recently going. watched one, just just Did like you, last week. Hearing him talk, and he goes from throwing to hitting, and and watch, oh, to the you know, oh, fingers down, come through the ball, come through the ball, through the ball, everything's through the ball. It is, oh, it's so much fun. It's it, my favorite is coach speak baseball. It's my favorite, probably like coach speak basketball for you is so much fun. Coach speak baseball for me is phenomenal i absolutely love it catch ball with your face catch it with your face i love that catch it with your face put your face behind it. like <laughs> if you want to catch the ball put your face behind it like catch it with, oh i love that stuff mm-hmm. anyway yeah uh so yeah we're gonna do the the mount rushmore of texas rangers next week uh in anticipation of bobby being on with us hopefully he gets excited about that and uh, and we'll have we're excited to have him on for sure. And we'll talk Reds, and we'll talk about uh, maybe a little bit about the uh, the rest of the National League Central and and you know who the contenders are in baseball. And we'll certainly talk about uh, hopefully he'll get excited about the Mount Rushmore of Texas Rangers. Uh, and we'll have Nate Bergetzi for uh, comedy, and we'll talk about uh, the first weekend in the NCAA tournament. This it could be it could be a two and a half hour podcast next week. It could be a long one. It could be. We might have to start a little early. I'll be in Columbus. I'll be in a hotel. Might have to tell Bobby starting at nine o'clock. Yeah, I'm sure he won't mind. I'm sure he won't. <laughs> All right. That being said, brother, I'm super excited about next week. Get on, get on the nosebleed sports podcast, uh, NCAA bracket. Win yourself a t-shirt. And until then, don't forget to turn your headlights on.